Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. Thank you, Tim. Good morning. I hope you're excited. We're excited because we're in the Word of God this morning. And we're going to be continuing um, in the book of Acts, like Tim said. If you missed last week um, where Paul started us off um, from um, Acts 1 through 11, Go back on our Facebook page and watch that. Um, just, I, I've had so many people this week uh, text me and comment to me how much they enjoyed it and how much they got excited for the series. So, man, I want to encourage you, man, uh, go and watch that. And some of the things that Paul mentioned last week will be mentioned here because it, it all ties together. So it's just so important uh, for you to stay with us and, and know what the Word of God and where we're going together if you're joining us on Facebook, we are so happy that you're here with us this morning. Um, please uh, join us as we are reading, and, and we're going to be looking through these points this morning. So last week, we got left off by Paul. Um, the, the, here are the disciples. They're looking up. Um, the angels of the Lord uh, come to them and say, guys, what are y'all doing? You know, he, 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 he's going to come back, but not right now. Um, we got work to do. We got the mission of God. So they head back, and they go into the upper room. Uh, upper room was a, a third-story uh, third um, uh, place where usually it was uh, sometimes uh, would be servant quarters or sometimes a place where people would study. We don't know if this is the same upper room where they would have the Lord's Supper or not. We don't know because... Um, there was a lot of upper rooms, so uh, they just called it upper room. So the, here they are, they're gathering, and they're doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do. And we're going to kind of look at what that looks like this morning because we got a question to ask this morning. Have we prayed about it? Have we prayed about it? We're going to see prayer is the hallmark and central theme through the early church because they're going to pray for God's guidance, God's leadership. It is, as Tim said, we have already a leader of Cell Street, and that is Jesus Christ. And he should be leading us in everything in which we do. So have we prayed about it? We're going to look at the disciples um, this morning and the other people who joined them. Well, no, they were all disciples, but the 12 and the others who joined them. Um, and we're going to see what they did Um and how they prepared. So they gathered to do two things here we're going to look at this morning. Worshipfully waiting. They worshipfully waiting. They worshipfully waited. The apostles returned to Jerusalem in obedience to what the Lord had commanded them to do and to wait there for the Spirit. So um, Acts 1, 4 through 5 says this, And while staying with them, he ordered, he being Jesus, them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, and for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here they go, and they go, wait. Well, in the Old Testament, the word that Jesus is using here, the Old Testament for waiting was prayer. This word waiting meant to be in prayer. So in so in that obedience with them, 
they joined the other Christians, the other believers in the upper room, where they devoted themselves into intense prayer. As they were praying, um, as they prayerfully waited. And this is going to be this characteristic, as I mentioned earlier, their life together, it was prayer. And they anticipated together the promised gift of the Spirit. And prayer was this hallmark in the early church. And if you'll look back at Acts 124, we'll see here in a minute, Acts 2.42, um, they had all things in common and they prayed. Um, Acts 3.1, Acts 4.24, Acts 6.6, 6, they hallmarked prayer. Prayer and looking for what the Lord was guiding them and His will and what they were going to do in life. Prayer was this hallmark and central part. And church, that's where we need to be today. We need to constantly be in prayer. It shouldn't be what we want. It should be, God, what do you want? Prayer should never be taken lightly or used as an excuse. And what I mean by that is prayer sometimes is looked at like a, a genie in the lamp and we pray and, you know, whatever God says or it can be like a cafeteria style, and we want to pick and choose what we're gonna, uh, what we want, and what Jesus is gonna look like, and that's not what it is. Or it can be used as an excuse. It can use uh, sometimes be used for uh, um, um, to halt something or to to uh, wait because we don't like the direction of where that is, and say we need to pray about it, and we come off spiritual, but in our hearts we're not gonna go pray about that. When we say, let's pray, we need to be praying and seeking God's will. Not Kent's will. Not your will. But God's will. Why? Because we all believe in one thing in here, very central, if you're a believer. We believe that he is the way, the truth, and the light. We believe that everything is centered upon him, and he knows better than we do. So we see this prayer was, the, uh, was actively that dominated those 10 days was prayer. So there was 10 days from the time they saw the ascension to the time of the, uh, on Pentecost, okay? And so Pentecost was uh, a celebration in which we will talk about next week. But this 10 days, and they joined together constantly and we see in Acts 1.14, they devoted themselves, we see in 2.42, to this corporate prayer. Church, are we praying together? Are we coming together and praying together? I've been a Christian um, for a long time. I, I have to do the math here. Uh, yeah, I'm not good at that. Uh, 32 years. Sorry, that's Mississippi schooling. I apologize. Um, that, that, that's a pure product of Steens, Mississippi. Um, so apologize for that. 32 years I've been a believer, and out of my 32 years, I can name very little time that I have ever seen churches just come into this intensive amount of prayer. And we need to be praying. They worshiped. It wasn't just prayer. It was worshipful prayer. It was they were coming together and worshiping, and they knew who they were worshiping, and they were being 
they, they were excited. They, they, they worshiped the ascension. We see that in Luke 24, 52 to um, um, 43. They joyed and they were praising God and they continued to dominate in the sense that they had 10-day prayer meeting. And it radically changed their thought patterns. It radically made them want to be centered on what God wanted. Before then, they had all looked out for number one, right? They had fled, right? Hiding themselves for Jesus' entire time on the cross and in the grave, at least that they would not be arrested, right? That's what it says. It says that Peter followed, and are you with this? No, denied him three times. Where were the disciples? Who buried Jesus? His, his, uh, the twelve, right? No. Two men who were not of the twelve. They were probably believers, but they were not of the twelve. They flew. And so to that time, oh, and, and one more thing. When the going got rough, uh, tough, they went fishing, right? Now, for some of y'all, that, that's what you do when the going gets tough. They, they, they went fishing, and Jesus says, come. Hey, have y'all caught anything? No, go on this side. And they realized who it was. And we see that Peter repented. And we're going to see a completely different Peter in Acts than we see in Luke and Mark and Matthew and John. Because he's no longer Simon, which means shifting sands. He's now Peter the rock. And he can only be the rock because of the power of Christ. And we see just a different thing here. And no longer are they, is the case that they're looking for number one. They are centered entirely on God. And when they're arrested, which is going to be often now, they do not run. They worship. They pray. He is the sinner. It is simply an opportunity then to let God take over. And together, we see this harmony that is there now. With a single mind, united in heart and mind, and they're totally focused on they worshipfully waited, and we see what they worshipfully waited for in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the mission of God. That's what he wants us to be, to the ends of the earth, and we are not there yet. They worshipfully waited for the promise of the Spirit and the power to witness. They worshipfully waited for the promise of the Spirit and the power to witness. The time before Pentecost was the time for waiting in prayer, this prayerful waiting. A time spent in prayer undoubtedly for the promise of um, the promised Spirit and the power to witness. There is no effective witness without the Spirit. And the way to the spiritual empowerment is to wait in prayer. And we see that is what they are doing. Because once the Spirit comes, everything changes. Everything changes for the church. And up to this point, it needs to be very clear that they are still operating 
under Old Testament guidelines, and we see that. We're going to see that with the casting of the lots here in a minute. We see this with the word that Jesus used, wait. We're going to see this in um, the Old and New Jerusalem here in a minute. We're going to see this, and then once Pentecost happens, that's done. And there is a new age where the Holy Spirit, because now when we become believers, what, ha- what happens? We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because it looks like exactly what we saw this morning with A.W. That's exactly what it looks like. When a man says, that's it, it's all you, God, I can't carry the burden, it's about you, it's exactly what A.W. said, that the puzzle begins to fit together because he is no longer trying to be the center of his own life, but Jesus Christ is and the power of the Spirit, and we cannot do that ourselves. When man does things, it fails. But when God does it, it exceeds. Notice I did not say succeed. I said it exceeds. So the next point in our sermon here is not only did they worshipfully wait, they restored a position. They restored a position. Actually, this is the main part of the section. And this next section of Scripture is devoted to replace Judas Iscariot. And he is carefully, uh, Luke has carefully instructed this in two main parts. Um, After this introductory verse in 16 through 19, he begins to talk about this vacancy that's now there. And then the second treats Judas' replacement. And joining the two sections then becomes verse 20 here. So we're going to look at this, at this restored position. So the first one we're going to look at is Judas, um, this part of Judas. And one thing that we want to look at this is failed leaders can be a part of God's plan. See, the emphasis of Peter's words is in fact that Judas' betrayal was not a shock to God. It was not a shock to God. The purpose here of 117 is to explain why Judas had to be replaced. He was not only was he one of the numbers of the 12, but he shared in their ministry, by which means ministry of the 12. And he was the last on the list of members in Luke 6, but he was nevertheless part of this construction of the new Israel. And what I mean is, old Israel was founded by the 12 patriarch fathers, right? And that's why we have 12 tribes, okay? And this new Israel, there's a reason that Jesus had 12, the, the, the circle of the 12, the new Jerusalem. This was very important, okay? It, it was saying that the old covenant is done and a new covenant with Christ is here. So we need to understand that Judas is failure or Judas's betrayal did not shock God, but it did open up this vacancy. And Peter's point is by, uh, by the divine necessity that this 12 needed to be kept intact. So Judas was going to be replaced. Okay? And it was necessary to replace Judas because he had abandoned his position. It's his betrayal and not his death that forfeited his place of the twelve. It was his betrayal and not his death 
that forfeited his place among the circle of 12. See, he had an unrepentant heart towards Christ. So he abandoned his position. Well, Kent, you just mentioned Peter. Yes, I did, but remember that fishing story I was just telling you? What happens? Peter comes upon the shore, and Jesus said, will you feed my sheep? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Three times. There was a restore. They came. They refocused. They, it wasn't about them anymore. It became about Christ. But Judas never did that. What we know of him is he returned his 30 pieces of shi- uh, silver, and he goes and he kills himself. We, uh, and you're going to go, well, that's a little different tale than what's here, but what is considered to be knowledge of that time, um, obviously the Pharisees did not want to take their... Uh, um, they did not want to take the silver back, so they bought a field in his behalf. And in that behalf, that is why it's called the field of blood, because it was uh, bought with blood money. This is why that is done. And so we see what is going on here. And so he had this some repentant heart towards Christ. And Christ, uh, even after death, we'll see that no other apostle is replaced even after death. See, James is the first martyr of the 12, okay? Stephen's the first martyr of believers, but James is the first martyr of the 12, and we'll see that in Acts. And even after his death, James continued to be considered an apostle, okay? This is important because after this, we will never see another one of the 12 replaced again. All the way to the very last of the 12, which is John, which Paul mentioned, um, died on the island of uh, of Platmos. And and trust me, it's not like he had it easy himself, okay? He was basically sent there to die, to starve to death and die. So, I mean, he he wasn't living life um, on Paradise Island there. So we see that this, we see that this failed leadership by Judas did not shock God and was ultimately part of God's plan. But we see this next part, that God is faithful in appointing the right leader at the right time. We see that qualifications are set and expectations are explained to these candidates, okay? These verses actually contain the criteria for the apostolic office here, especially the big A apostle here. They must have walked with Christ and actually seen the risen Lord. So there then comes these two men who meet these qualifications, Joseph, um, Bersabbas, Justice, okay, met the requirements to be considered for apostle, and the other one is Matthias. So let's talk about this real quick because when we look at this, this group then turns this matter to the Lord because they both meet the qualifications. And here we have a basic understanding of the, uh, the apostles roll and ask, and they were primary to witness to Je- uh, to witness to Jesus um, for Jesus and eyewitnesses of who shared his teaching and confirmed his resurrection and ascension. This is going to be taking place, and as they're looking, they have these two candidates. But notice what they do here: they put prayer above preference. Let me say that again. 
They put prayer above preference. The author here does something. He almost makes it seem like Joseph is going to be the guy because of several things. One, Joseph means added son. That's a Hebrew name. Bersabbath means son of Sabbath, which, which means this. Usually meant a very devoted person towards God. Okay? That's what it meant. If they had that name, it meant that they were very devoted. We see another name like this. You know, um, um, we, we see Barnabas means son of encouragement. Okay? So it meant that he was an encouraging person. And then we see Justice. His, uh, that is a Latin name. That's the Roman name. And that means just, being a just person. We're a little more familiar with the Anglo-Saxon name of this, which is Justin. Okay? And it means to be just. Okay? And so here, the, he has three names, which means something. It means that he was probably very popular. Very well liked. He was probably that guy that everybody liked hanging out with. And then there was Matthias, which means gift of God. And, and that's all we have. We have Matthias. And with uh, Joseph, you have three names here. And then they begin to realize that prayer is above preference. Remember, they have lived their lives towards preference, right? They've already done that. That failed. Now they're with God, and they're going to be devoted to prayer. And the decision is too important to be made by human reasoning. So they rely entirely on God. It's greater knowledge and will. Because God alone fully knows everyone's heart. And so they want to choose to be based on his, his uh, omniscience and not that their finite perspective, not their human perspective, but Jesus had personally chosen the twelve and they wished that to continue. So they prayed and they put it into the Lord's hands. And how they do this? They did this in a Old Testament prophets would used to cast lots. That's how they made choices. Now, we're going to see something. This is the last time that you will ever see cast lots ever in the Bible. After that, because of the power of the Spirit, they would no longer need to do that because the power of the Spirit will tell them where God's will and God's choice. Their, their minds of this is we're going to put this in God's hands. And so... In this text, it looks like Joseph is given this providence, this prominence, that one should be expecting him to be chosen. And this is a reminder that God's way is not always man's way. And we see this throughout the Bible, right? David, he was the eighth child. They were bringing him up. All the, you know, <clears throat> surely this is going to one. No, 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 no. What man sometimes sees and what man sometimes chooses is based on our limited knowledge and limited things and where we can give it to God. God sees so much more. And the assembly turned the matter over to God and praying for his divine direction and that his will be done. The power of prayer in choosing leaders. We do not know who our elders are yet. We do not know anything 
of that. We're going to put our prayer in choosing who leads, but we also know who is our main shepherd, and that is Jesus Christ. And then we see here's this Matthias versus Joseph, or, 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 or Bathsheba's, or I mean, give him whatever name you want, right? We see this compared to the recent things that have just happened in November, right? And, and where this verses as one accord, we see verses total discord that we had in November. And man's way versus God's way. And we see that when we need to be coming in one accord, that people should see different from a church. And we should see unity in the body. And as it's already been said, unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean we're all going to be exactly alike, but we come together in one accord. And we need to understand, something I want to point out, though, is we do know something about Matthias and justice. And I use justice because that's what he's known for after that. That Matthias is not really mentioned again, and neither is justice, but we do know this about them. That both were killed for their faith, and justice continued to minister. He was a missionary out probably to what we would know the regions of India. What I mean by that is he did not get his feelings hurt and go away. He did not um, stop doing the things of ministry. He continued to do ministry. I think that's very interesting because he prayed with them and they were in one accord. Last part here. We are in one accord when we trust God's choice We are in one accord when we trust God's choice, and this happens through prayer, and this happens through faith. And I want to do the last one first and the first one last real quick. Faith, we know in Hebrews 11.1, 1, is you know having what we do not see, believing in what we do not see and having that faith, and that we will have that faith in the Lord as we come in one accord and that He is our leader and that we look into Him. But this also happens through prayer, our communication to God. Remember, prayer is this way, vertical. It is not horizontal. It is not for man's ears. It is for communication with God. Prayer is not to be used as a tacked-on thing. Uh, Lucas and I were talking this morning. We've both been at church services where people have used prayer to tack on that last announcement that someone forgot to say. And Lord, uh, uh, remind them to be here at Saturday at 8 a.m. for the Brotherhood Breakfast. Amen. We laugh because we know it happened, right? And we've seen it, okay? That's not what prayer, prayer is not for you here, it is for him. It is his word. It is how we communicate to him. So how, what I want to encourage you this morning, have we prayed about it? Have we come down as a congregation and prayed? Yes, we've had a prayer service, but have we prayed over as we're going to have a decision this morning of choosing um, what, uh, um, about going towards eldership? Have we come to the Lord and said, God, what is your will? Not as what my preference, but what is your will? Have we prayed about it this morning? As, the, as Justin and the band are coming up, I want to encourage you guys to join me this morning in prayer. But I also want to uh, encourage you, if this morning, 
if you do not know Christ, you heard a beautiful testimony this morning by A.W., and you heard what happens. What happens is man we, has sin and we're lost. We've tried to do things by ourselves, but what happens is, is when we come and we trust the Lord, He comes in and He makes us new. That means the, that means the old man is dead and a new one lives. And that cannot happen by your works or by my works. It, I cannot go to church enough. I cannot be good enough. I can't be bad enough. I have to trust completely on the Lord. And if this morning you don't know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to encourage you to have that relationship with Him. You can see myself, Tim, Lucas, Paul, Justin, any of us. We would love to tell you how to have that relationship. You join me as I pray, but then come and if you pray with us this morning and ask ourselves this question, have we prayed about it? Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this moment that we had in your scripture. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have written to us. And Father, that your word applies now as it did 2,000 years ago. And Father, we know that, Lord, that you will guide us and lead us. And Father, we just pray right now, if anyone does not know you this morning, that they will come to know you. Father, we ask right now that you will just guide our hearts, that everything in which we will do will be glorifying to you. We give this to your name, through your Son, Jesus Christ.